problem. I think it got worse. <laughs> but God's faithful, Brother Lawrence, that he would not see the righteous forsaken. Now listen to me, praise God. God is faithful, Chucky, Pamela, my mom, all of y'all in here. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is faithful. Hallelujah. I got that thing over my Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of my God and the beauty of his holiness. Come on, somebody. Uh, come on, Jesus. I lift my eyes unto the heavens from which my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I hope you blessed this morning. I had a good time this morning. I just, oh, look at it, jump off that podium. <laughs> God's presence is real, y'all. Seriously. Oh, we just got to, praise God. Hey, we got enough to have church. Come on, somebody. I say we got enough to have church. Some people rained out. They couldn't come. I understand that. Praise God. But we still going to have church. I almost didn't have church. I saw that rain falling. I said, Lord. Janet said, Lenny, we're going we're gonna to wait. <laughs> Sometimes you got to have a wife tell you something to listen, you to. Listen to. Got to wait. Wait, wait, wait. Amen. You know, we, we talk about a lot, of, a lot of preachers of the past, the swaggers, Billy Graham. But we have a preacher in this church called Billy Boo. <laughs> My boy's been a blessing to me. I thank God that he's here with me. Praise God. Fine minister of the gospel. Learning so much. Going to do a lot for the Lord, Boog. Amen. So let's introduce Boogie, the, the evangelist, the prophet, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> the Billy Boog. <laughs> I, I, that, you know like you give a name to somebody and it sticks to him? Remember when years ago when he was small, he, he was sick. He was a baby. But when he began to start walking... Was in the hospital, and he'd take off. He's fast. He's still fast. And he's, he's running down. He's about a year old, Jim, maybe? The nurse says, come here, Peanut. I said, nope, he's not. <laughs> so we're not going to call him Peanut. We're going to call him Boogie. <laughs> and anybody that knows him, they ask him, what's your real name? Mr. Anthony Hayes, the scholar, the author, Billy Boogie. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead, my son. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I know that rain, I'm sure many of y'all almost had to bring canoes to church this morning, but uh, it's okay. We didn't have to. So we're going to pray this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, you bless me, Lord, and bless us, Lord, with a good message today. And give us and give me the strength, Lord, to preach your word and fill me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, I want to talk about some message that's been on my heart for a long time. You know, in the Bible, there's a lot of symbolism in the Bible, but there's also real events that happen in the Bible. And so when you read the Bible, you have to be sure, like, okay, what is symbolism and what is reality or what's the real deal? Now, they got some people, they take it completely out of context. Like, I was watching a video, a documentary the other day. And they were saying, well, Moses was not a real event. It was just all allegorical. It was just a story that Moses parted the Red Sea. So there's some people, Christian or non, they take it like everything in the Bible is a, as a symbolism or as an allegory, and it's not true. But there's some parts in the Bible that there is stories and there's allegory. Jesus used many of them. Like, for example, uh, Jesus says, I am the door. He was not really a door, but he was using that door as a symbol of him. 
the rock or if you know it was a symbol of him. And then if you look in the book of Revelations, the woman with the 12 stars, she represents uh, Israel. And the sun underneath her feet and the moon underneath her feet, she represents uh, Israel. And sometimes in the dragon in the Revelation, it represents the devil and sometimes the one world government. So there's a lot of symbologies in the Bible. But uh, so this morning, we're going to actually look at two symbologies that I think is pretty amazing. We're going to turn to Re- Revelations uh, chapter 3 and verses 18. Let me know when you are there. Verses 18. Bless you. <laughs> I was like, who's sneezing right there? All right. When you're there, let me know. All right. I counsel you to buy of me gold, trident, the fire, that you may be rich. And this is what I want to get at right here. White raiment, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. So in this verse right here, it's actually talking two symbolisms. It's actually one is using this, like your nakedness, is using this, that as a symbology of sin. And I want to quote, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And before I talk about its meaning, we have to go back to the book of Genesis. You know, back to granddaddy and uh, grandfather, you know, Abraham and Eve. You know, you go way back then. You know, there was a garden. Everything was perfect. Everything was, everybody was in harmony. It was paradise on earth. But then, of course, the devil came as a serpent saying, you know, tempting Eve says, you know, if Adam eats this apple, he'll be a god and you'll be a goddess and you'll be gods knowing good and evil and they ate of the fruit. And the Bible said that they saw their nakedness. They didn't see it before, but they saw that they were naked. Now, this is not scripture. This is this, and it's not to start a big debate over. It's just, somebody, it's just somebody's theology thinking or whatever. Some people believe that before Adam and Eve sinned, that they had the Shekinah glory of God on them. And they believe that when they sinned, it went out, like kind of like a bub does. It went out, and they believe that they recognized that they were naked. That's just, you know, a thought. You know, I'm not saying it's scripture. It's just a thought. So that's why some people think that's why that happened. There's other reasons why, but that makes a lot of sense if that did happen. But anyway, but this is the part I want to get at. They, when God was calling them, Adam and Eve, where are you? They were ashamed of their nakedness, so they got them a bunch of fig leaves together, and they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Now, and then there's another symbology in the Bible, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, when he talked to Israel, he says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. You know, so I want to talk about that first. You know, a lot of people today, and maybe thousands or millions, the last time I looked, there's a billion people on the planet. There's a very small minority that believe in Christ and his righteousness. We have majority of the world, they're trying to work out their own righteousness. We have billions of Muslims out there. They pray like, they pray more than us. They pray three times a day. I mean, they pray, they make us look ashamed. They, they pray. It's false and it's not right, but they pray. And we have millions of Roman Catholics. They go to the mass. They go to communion, baptism. They're like, well, we do the whole works. We're saved. There's millions of Buddhists who go out there and are like, hey, I go once a year to Buddha and I dedicate my fruits to Buddha or whatever. I bow down to Buddha or whatever. You have millions they're trying to earn their works. They're trying to earn their salvation. They're trying to cover their sins by their own works. And according to the Bible, you cannot do that. Now, a lot of times, it'd be kind of comical what I'm about to mention, but it makes sense. 
You know, sometimes the way God sees things and the way we see things are totally different. People are like that. Sometimes we look at time. Yeah, a lot of times we look at something and like mostly if someone's dating somebody. I've seen that a lot. When someone's dating somebody, I'm looking at this beautiful, gorgeous girl and she's with this guy. He's like, he looked like he came in a rock, not to be ugly or wrong. And you're like, what in the world he's, what in the girl she sees? Yeah, what in the world that he, she sees in him or she's blind or something, you know? So sometimes when, sometimes when we look at things, God sees things different than we see things sometimes. Like, uh, for example, I seen a commercial one time, and, uh, and sometimes we think we'll be giving God as the best thing since Bluebell. I mean, we think, oh, man, I'm working my righteousness. I'm, I'm giving God the best, kind of like Cain did, you know, when he went offer up his fruits. Like, he thought he gave God the best. He said, man, I'm giving God the best thing he ever saw. I'm giving him the works of my hands. But that's not what God wanted. You know, I was here a commercial one time, and they were talking about, you know, you getting used to smells. You know, they were showing, like, some people, they didn't clean their house or whatever, and they were used to it. There was no nose blind, you know. <laughs> they, they were eating, I was seeing they were eating the table and, uh, and everything was clean. But the guy says, this is what's really going on. He shows them like eating on top of a dumpster. And they had a trash can, a little trash can on the side. And a cat, you know, a cat was, you know. So the, it makes sense because what they, they were nose blind. What they were seeing, they thought it was okay. They thought it was fine. Like this is normal for us. <laughs> Exactly. But see, that's what people do with God. They're like, well, I'm giving you my good works. I'm giving you my righteousness. And we think God is happy with it or we think God is satisfied with it. But he don't see it quite like the way we see it. Exactly. It's a bad order to God. And I like how it says in the book of Isaiah, your righteousness is as filthy rags. So I won't get into detail why it was why it was used in that area. But that's how God looks when a person, when they're they don't have Christ's righteousness on them. He looks at them as naked. You know, when you see somebody naked, you're like, you know, you, you, <laughs> you turn away quick. You know, that's how God does with people. You know, when you're naked or you don't have his righteousness, he's like, it don't, it don't please him. It don't look great to him. That's why most people believe when Jesus was on the cross and when Jesus cried, uh, uh, when he said, well, I won't say the Hebrew word, but he said that, uh, why are you forsaking me? Most people believe because Christ was naked on the cross, and not because just because he was naked, naked, because the sin that was the world was placed upon him, he was like he had to turn, because yeah, because it was he was nakedness to God. The sin was so grievous to him that he had to turn. So it's the same thing with us today. And a lot of people are like, man, how can I, how can I solve this situation? And some people are sincere. It's just people are led to wrong roads. And a lot of people, they want to please God. They want to cover their right, their, their nakedness of their sin. But they go to good works. You know, it says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith is not a works that no man should boast. It's the gift of God. So the Bible makes it clear you cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot strive your way to heaven. You know, I was watching a, a documentary one time. I watch a lot of documentaries. I was watching one time where they were showing, I think it was in Italy, where they had a lot of Roman Catholics, and not to pick on them, but it's just the idea. They were up on this, this uh, in, in Italy, they had these uh, steps, and they believed this is where Jesus, like, went to. There's no proof of that, but that's what they said. That Jesus walked on these very steps, and you have people kissing the steps, you know, you have people doing pilgrimage to it, and, and they, they're earning their good works. They're trying to earn, they're putting, they don't realize they're putting on old 
junk. They're putting old smelly things on them. They're putting old works that, yeah, that don't smell great to God. Now you're asking, okay, how, what can be done to solve this problem? What can be done instead of good works? What can replace it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now we're going to talk about something, what happened. Now when Adam and Eve, when God called them, they said, Adam and Eve, where are you? And he said, well, we hid ourselves because we were naked. Then God, then God went to the thing and said, Why, who told you you were naked? And, you know, we know the story. Eve blamed the, the devil. Adam blamed his wife. Nothing new in this world. But uh, anyway, and then God cursed the serpent, said, upon your belly you should roll for the rest of your life. And then he also told them that, you know, he gave them the promise of the seed. that he said, because the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Talk about Christ in the far distant future when Christ was going to come and compass, you know, stamp Satan on the head when he was at the cross. But one thing you notice that he took a lamb. Now, if you look through the Bible, if you look through then, since Genesis, and you look all the way to the book of Revelations, the lamb always symbolized Christ. Matter of fact, uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So he's always been portrayed or symbolized the Lamb as Christ. So that's, and then he took the Lamb and he took off its, uh, its fur. He took off his uh, sheepskin and he put, placed it on Adam and he placed it on Eve. Now, when God saw that, he did not see Adam and Eve and their sin no longer. Of course, they would have to be redeemed or the common redeemer. But spiritually speaking, when God put that on them, he did not see them no more. He did not see their sin anymore. He saw the blood. He saw Jesus Christ and him crucified and the faith in, that, in, the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if he would have saw them without that, he would have saw their sin. He would have saw their pollution. He would have saw their, 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 their filth. But when he placed that, he focused, he was satisfied, and he saw that. He did not see their sin no longer. It's the same thing with us. When we get saved and put our faith in Christ and we put our faith in the cross and that, you know, the blood is upon us, you know, we, Christ sees us in a whole different way. You know, he don't see us as a sinful person no more. He said, he saw, he said, now I see them, they're righteous like me and they're part of me now. And a lot of people don't realize how Christ, thank God, Christ looks different than we do. When we look at people, we're like, Oh, they'll never, they're, they're not saved or they'll never make it. You don't know what Christ sees. You know, if you're covering God, you know, when you're covering God's righteousness, it's like a dome. Have you ever heard like a protection military dome? Like it's over a city or whatever. I don't know if America has much of it, but Israel does. And, and they were saying a couple of years ago, Israel has a protected dome over Jerusalem. So when missiles go, it, it blows up. That dome protects Jerusalem from any missiles from Palestinians or whoever's trying to attack them. It protects them. Well, that's what Christ's righteousness does with us. It protects us from sin. It protects us from the tribulations in this life, and it protects us from the next that is to come. It's to protect you from sin. It's to protect you from things. And why so important why you have to have this righteousness? You say, well, what's the big deal? Why should I have Christ's righteousness on me? Well, it's to protect you for, for a lot of reasons. Of course, in this life and the next to come. You know, the devil is accuser. The Bible says, you know, the law is too. The devil and the law, the, the law is good, of course, and the devil is not, but they both are your accusers. They're both there to accuse you. They don't have, neither one has grace, really. They're both there to accuse you of sin, and you need somebody there to be your advocate. You need someone there to be your representative. It's kind of like, you know, you go into court, and you have a, a lawyer, 
and you know the judge is there and everyone's there and that lawyer brings out your case he's there to protect you he's there to help you win your case and you know and then some people try to do it themselves i don't think that goes too well they're not good at it anyway but you need a lawyer there to protect you so it's the same thing with god's righteousness when you have his righteousness on you you're wearing his righteousness you know he how can i explain it when you have his righteousness he is there to defend on your behalf you know, because the devil will accuse you. He's like, do you remember what this person did? Do you remember his past? Do you remember the sins he committed or she committed? And then that protects you. That, you know, it's kind of like what happened in the book of Exodus when, I like that phrase, when the Bible says they put the blood over the doorposts, it passed over them. We say, when I see the blood, I should pass over you. So when God's judgment is coming there to accuse you or there to destroy you, and Satan is using that for his advantage, Christ steps in and he says, no, he has his righteousness. He's protected now. Yep. I see the blood. I see the cross. You know, I like that part when dad said about that lamb, how they had a story about this lamb where the baby lamb died. And the shepherd, being a smart shepherd, he took off the skin, he took off the uh, fur from off the lamb, and he put it on a live one. He took that, that one's fur off, and he put that one on that lamb. And when she smelled it, she smelled her baby. She smelled that even it wasn't, she smelled her baby. And it's the same thing with Christ does with us. When we put on his righteousness, he smells us, and he's like, he's one of mine. He's one of my righteousness. He, he has faith in, in me. And so you have to have that you know, to anyone to get to heaven. You know, I was watching uh, Pilgrim's Progress not too long ago, and he went to the cross, and they actually gave him some clothes. You know, they gave him a, a, a paper to say you entered to heaven because he went through the cross, but they also, they gave him some set of clothes. And in the book, like in the Bible, it symbolized Christ's righteousness. So when he got to the celestial city, when they see his scroll and they saw his clothes, they know that he went to the cross. So... You got Christ's righteousness to cover you and protect you from your sins and being bombarded by all kind of things that's going on. I want to read something that's pretty interesting. It's called it's a biography that was written by John Bunyan. It's about his biography. Y'all know about him. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. And there's something he says in here that's pretty interesting. I like. He says, For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm going to read it one more time if y'all didn't get it. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So John Bunyan realized that his righteousness was Jesus himself. He had to wear Christ. He had to wear him for the judgment of God to pass over him. So that's all I got. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And, yeah, that's all I got. So I hope y'all enjoyed it. And Short and sweet. Oh, I, was, I was waiting for some more. <laughs> no, I didn't think a whole lot. <laughs> you know, we're just talking about that, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to end it, okay? When we, when we cover with the Lord's righteousness, and then, you know, the Bible says that with the desire, the sincere milk of God's word. And years ago, the Lord showed me that. He said, you know, when... When a sheep is, is nursing, a baby sheep, the reason, the one thing I didn't know it, that's her sheep, she smells her milk. <laughs> I thought about that. I said, man, what a, what a, that'll preach. 
When Jesus smells you, like Book said, does he smell his milk? Does he smell his righteousness? My Lord, come on, somebody. Well, I go to church. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> does he smell his milk? And the desire sincere milk of God's word is when God's word becomes part of you. When you wake up in the morning, you think Jesus. When you make decisions in your life, you think Jesus. When you see, we all heard that little saying, what would Jesus do? That milk has to penetrate the flesh, right? It builds up, well, meat builds up a little too much, but it builds up in fat. Come on, somebody. It has a way of, of dealing with, uh, I don't know, has a way of being part of you. That's what I'm going to say. Now, when God sees it, he sees his righteousness, right? He sees his, he smells his milk. You know, years ago I, I taught that, you know, that little sheep would, had a, that sheep had a, uh, a little sheep that would die. And if the, the shepherd had a, sh a little sheep that had a mama would die. He had a way to unite that little living sheep with the living mama, right? So he would take the wool of the dead sheep and he wrap it around the little sheep that's still alive. And he would smell, she would smell her sheep. My God. That was the way he'd do it. That's how the shepherd would work it. Or he'd force feed the little sheep till the mama would start smelling her milk coming out of his pores. Well, you don't like that when God force feeds her, Lawrence. <laughs> you don't, we don't like that when God says, you're going to drink or you're going to die. Oh, God's all love, and he don't do that. No, let me tell you, he'll break your leg if he needs to. Come on. He'll break them. That was good, boo. It was short, but it was good. Amen. Hallelujah. I guess we'll just stand up and we'll pray. <laughs> Boogies has a tendency of making, the first time he taught, <laughs> you remember? We got to come back over here, Boogie. Ten minutes, five maybe. That was it. <laughs> But God is real. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, praise God. You came to church for something, right? And I want to challenge you before we, I want you to close your eyes in there. And we're going to, we're going to trust the Lord. Are you part of God's fold? You know why Adam and Eve sewed those fig leaves together? They were trying to hide, right? You know how we do that sometimes? We, we, we use religion. We sew religion together and say, well, God, I can hide from God with that. Or we can use other things. It don't matter what it is. And anything that I find sometimes in our lives, we put things in our lives that takes our place of worship. It takes our mind off of God, right? It could be a job. It could be nothing wrong with working. It could be, it could be anything. We put that, we sew the fig leaves together to try to hide from God, and we can't. He sees our nakedness. Do you love the Lord this morning? We're going to worship for one few more minutes, praise God. In a lonely cattle stable. 
Bethlehem. There were signs of new construction on a mighty span. But the hearts of all the lost cast the shadow of the cross, that babe in Mary's crib. Soon be mercy's bridge. Just across the river, heaven's side, it was much too hard to swim with no boat to ride. God made a way that couldn't fail. No rugged cross, three rusty nails, that babe in Mary's crib. Soon be mercy's bridge. You must cross, but you must cross the Calvary way. That leads tonight unto the brightest day. Jesus died that you and I could live. Leave all your guilt. Mercy builds a bridge. You must go, you must cross the Calvary way. That leads to night unto the brightest day. Jesus died that you and I could live. Leave all your guilt. Mercy builds a bridge. Somebody said, thank God for his mercy. You know, Boogie was right. That righteousness has to be on you. The righteousness of God has to be on you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, that's a good one. Sanctuary, pure and holy, bright and With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. What about this one? That I might know you. That I might see you, Lord, in your... Oh my God. Come on, Lord, shine on me. I want to be just like you. All that I say and all that I do. Lord, I 
glorify you. Sing it again one more time. That I might know you. That I might see you, Lord, in your glory. Lord, shine on me. I want to be just like you. All that I say and all that I do, Lord, I only want glorify you. What about this one, Mom? Lord, I want to be more like you. Jesus, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel you work through. Lord, I want to be more like you. Yeah, come on. Yes, Lord. Lord, I want to be more like you. Jesus, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel you work through. Lord, I want to be I want to be more like you, Jesus, Lord, I want to be more like you, I want to be a vessel to walk through, My God, my God, Lord, I want to be more like you, Jesus, Lord, I want to be more like you, I want to be a vessel that you go through. Lord, 